0: Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Family pulled up outside the church in their large camper van. And just as they pulled up outside the parking lot, the pastor was leaving the church to go home for the day. So they stopped and small-talked, and the pastor said to the, uh, the, the husband driving the camper van, how, how many berths is your camper van? How many does it sleep? He says, oh, it sleeps eight people. He said, wow, that's really good. And the man replied to the pastor. He said, how, how many, what's the capacity of your church, pastor? He said, oh, it sleeps about 80 people. <laughs> Woe unto us if we sleep about 80 people in the church. And I want to talk to you this morning about the church that doesn't ever resemble a place where you can go and sleep for the day. You know, sometimes, you know, for us, it's a slight on the one that we serve, Jesus Christ. When we see that there's such a lack of the type of activity that the early church was birthed in, amen, there was... There was windstorms a mighty rushing wind. There were tongues of fire. There were people receiving Christ by the thousands and the hundreds. There was miraculous healings outside uh, the city temple gates. There was action and excitement wherever they went. And uh, that's the type of church, the prototype church, I call it, in the book of Acts. The first of its kind, that's the one that was designed for us to copy off. Amen. That's what we want to see God uh, continue. Continue to do in the lives of his people, and in the life of this church. And so, I want to share with you a value uh, that will never, never resemble a sleepy church. This morning, I want to talk to you about a value that's very uh, highly um, valued in the life of this church. And uh, if you haven't been here for a while, you know we've only just recently got a band. We planted this church three years ago in a house up the road, and we had one guitar. And we had one guitar and one keyboard uh, for about two and a half years. And, uh, and it was it awesome. Was you know, i pray and I'd say, Lord, can you send me some musicians? And, uh, and heaven was silent. And uh, the, you know what the amazing thing was is that many of the people who joined us over that period of time, they learned how to worship God without all the bells and whistles. Because praise is an attitude of the heart. It's praise is an attitude in which God wants to teach us all how to approach Him and how to draw heaven down around about our lives without a five-piece band. Amen. So that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you can access the presence of God because you've come and approached God in the manner that He has prescribed in His word. Did you know that you don't approach a dignitary, you don't approach an ambassador or a Governor General or a Prime Minister, just any old how? There's a protocol for you to get in the And God has a protocol for us to access heaven. There is a way that seems right to man, but that way ends in death. And there is a way that's right to access the courts of heaven and see heaven come down around about your life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about praise that releases the supernatural power of God into your life and into your world. And how praise, when we learn what true biblical praise is in our life, how it can change your presence, Life, how it can change the place in which you dwell and the place that you have to live from Monday to Saturday. And when you come to church on Sunday, there's an overflow and a spill out over the edge of your cup. Lord, my cup runneth over, where well, your cup runs over because you've learnt how to praise God from from Monday to Saturday and you come to this place on a Sunday and there's just a volcanic spillover that comes out of your life because you've learnt the power of praise. Can somebody give me an amen this morning? You know, Jesus gave us a powerful lesson and we've just passed uh, the Passion of the Christ in our church calendar year. But as Jesus was descending the Mount of Olives for the last time, Before he went to the cross, knowing what was in front of him, and as he descended through the streets, they began to throw out garments and clothes on the road. And they began to cry out. In fact, let me take you to Luke 19, 37. Now, as Jesus was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude, can we say that together? The whole multitude. That means everybody in another translation. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice, listen, and praise God with a quiet, squeaky voice. Uh, uh, uh. They began to praise God with a loud voice and uh, for all the mighty works that they had seen. A few points here. This is what we would call a corporate gathering. Jesus is going down the streets. The streets are packed with people either side. They're throwing out their garments. They're, they're shouting out with the loudest voice that they can, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, as they recognise the King, who the one who comes in the name of the Lord, which Luke goes on to tell us. And there is raucous, loud, extravagant, exuberant, magnificent, Praise that is being declared from the lips of the disciples of those who were followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Why were they doing it? Because of all the mighty acts they had seen. Praise is lifting up the name of God because you understand who He is and what He has done in your life. That's what praise is. And when you truly understand all that He's done for you, you can't help but let that out and and let that go out of your life to ascend to the heavens. And we go on to see what Jesus says. They said, "Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord." Did you know that's that's the Psalms? That's a messianic prophecy. So, what they were saying when they quoted that scripture? Their praise was an Old Testament quotation about the Messiah that would one day come. So they were declaring the true identity of Jesus in their praise. When you declare the true identity of Jesus in your praise, you watch heaven come and visit your doorstep. And so they went on to say this, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They were upset. They were upset because they were quiet people. They were peaceful people. They were people that didn't enjoy the loudness of the praise of what was going on around about them. And they tried to shut down the praises of God's people. I remember when I was getting discipled as a new believer, I had a prophet of God that took me into his home for 12 months and man, he was a worshipper every morning. In fact, that's how I ended up getting up early in the mornings to learn to pray, was because he woke me up at 3.34am every morning before he went to work. And he would get underneath a big blanket, because he didn't want to wake everybody up, but he'd get under a big blanket and he'd just worship God and praise God. And he said to me this, he said, James, he said, sometimes when you're in worship, sometimes when you're praising God, there'll be a still small voice that will say, that's enough. He said when you hear it, that's enough he said keep going for another 10 minutes at least because God loves the praises of his people and uh, we're going to find out this morning exactly what happens look at Jesus answer he answered and said to them in verse 40 I tell you if these should keep silent the stones would immediately cry out you get the message here what Jesus is saying acceptable to God is our raucous, exuberant praise that's filled with passion and love. And you know, what what romance do you know of that's ever happened either in your life or to other people where there's no expression of emotion? I love you, honey. You need to know how much I love you. That's not how relationships work. They're filled with passion. They're filled with emotion. And they were crying out to Jesus and, and, and the Pharisees trying to shut him down. And Jesus saying, look, if these stop praising me, even the inanimate objects would render praise unto my name because that's what we're called to do. We're called to praise God this morning. Hallelujah. And you can say to me this morning, well, I'm just not the emotional type. Can I rephrase that for you? What you really mean is that you're only emotional about the things that are important to you. You ever watched an all-black game? (laughs) Ever been with someone watching the World Cup? (laughs) You know, there's only one exemption found in Scripture where we are not commanded to praise God. Psalm 115 verse 17, The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. There is your exemption. So if you're alive, you don't qualify this morning. There we go. The dead do not praise the Lord. Are you alive or are you dead this morning? You're alive. You're here in the house of God. So this morning, let everything that has breath praise this wonderful name today. You know, it's interesting even, I've even observed non-rugby people, there are such a thing, I didn't know that there was, but there are such a thing, I don't know why, but non-rugby followers watching the World Cup, and uh, you know, there's a minute to go, the scores are level, all of New Zealand is watching their beloved team, the mighty All Blacks. And, uh, and in the last 30 seconds, they dot down in the corner. There's only enough time left for the conversion. We know that we've won the World Cup. Now, I want to ask you a question. Even a non-rugby follower, they won't remain in their seat clapping, saying, that was wonderful. That was really fantastic. I could get to like this game. You were... You know what happens? They jump out of their seat. I remember because my wife wasn't really into sport when we first got married. And I exposed her to the state of origin rugby league series, you know, which isn't even New Zealand. So we're really heading out on a limb here, out into Australian territory. And, uh, and when I explained to her the rules and she was asking me all these questions, you know, cause she didn't know how they played the game. And then she started understanding the game. And before I knew it, the team that we were supporting, The blues, the team that we were supporting, come on there. Come on there. Come on, Khan. You need to, you need to get converted, brother. And anyway, as we were supporting that, I couldn't believe it. All of a sudden, she had me in a headlock and she was jumping up and down going, wow, look at that, that's amazing. Because she got it. She got, I said, honey, 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 you're hurting me. It was a little while ago, Khan. (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? You've all heard of the word dignity. Let us retain our dignity. And dignity is a very special word. There's some areas in life where you never want to lose your dignity. But when you understand the root word and meaning, the Latin word where dignity comes from, this is literally what it means. I studied Latin at school. I didn't do very well. But the word means self-possession. Self-possession. When we retain our dignity, we retain our self-possession. We don't let ourselves go. Sometimes you need to learn how to lose your self-possession and instead of being stiff as a board when it comes to worshipping Jesus Christ, you need to involve spirit, soul and body and lose some of that self-possession that inhibits you from crossing boundaries into exuberant praise and worship as the early disciples of Jesus did because they were prepared to cross the line because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That means we're free to praise. We're free to worship. We're free to declare to the heavens who God is and what He's done for our lives. Amen, this morning. You know, Psalm 9 verse 1 says this, I will praise You, O Lord, with my whole heart I will tell of all your marvelous works. So, praise is connected directly to a full experience of your heart, where you engage with your whole heart, not just part of your heart, not just a little or a little finger going up like this in praise, but with your whole heart, where your heart, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart must be expressed through your body. And the Bible declares that praise has multiple expressions, expressed through musical instruments, expressed through dance, expressed through exuberant loud praise, expressed through the clapping of hands, the lifting of hands. They're all valid biblical expressions of you worshipping God with your whole heart, praising Him with your whole heart, not just a part of you. So I wanna speak to the conservative side of us today. And generally Kiwis are very conservative. But we've seen what we're like at an all-black rugby final. Why can't we be like that when we're lifting up the King of all kings and praising the One who made us and gave everything to us? So what is praise? What does praise mean? It means to commend, to applaud. It means to magnify. It means that when you're praising God, you know, you can commend your kids, you can praise your kids, and every child needs praise. Every child needs encouragement. Your your spouse needs encouragement. You need to praise your spouse, him or her on a regular basis. But when the Bible says that we are to praise God, that means that we are to applaud His name. We are to magnify His name. That means that what is maybe small in your sight right now can be magnified through expressing praise to Jesus Christ. To magnify, come let us magnify the Lord. Let us exalt His name together, the psalmist wrote. And so it's entering into that, focusing your attention upon the Lord and entering into that heartfelt expression of love adoration, and thanksgiving. That's what true biblical praise is. And we often say praise and worship. We're going to have time of praise. We're going to enter into a time of worship. And how can I explain that to you using a metaphor? Probably the best thing I could say to you this morning is that praise is hailing the King. Worship is embracing the King. So when we praise God, we hail His name. We, we reflect On His goodness and His mighty acts and the things that He's done for you personally. We hail the King. But you see, when you do that, God inhabits the praises of His people. And as soon as you begin to praise Him, all of a sudden the presence comes and fills your heart and fills the room. And as a response to that, you then embrace the King in worship. So we hail the King through praise and then we embrace the King in worship. In fact, the Hebrew word for worship is proskunio, which literally means to kiss. So we're talking about intimacy here. We're talking about engaging God at a very, very personal level this morning as we approach Him, as we hail Him with our praise and as we then embrace Him with our worship. Are you with me this morning, church? Now, I wanna to bring to your attention this morning one of the stumbling blocks I've noticed and I notice it in prayer meetings, I notice it in worship when I'm standing up the front at times and it's no reflection on any of you today because you see, the thing is, is that we sometimes assume that everything we do in church comes natural. It's just a natural thing to do. But it's not natural for everybody to be able to just go and pass a driving test. Some people definitely need to have lessons. And once they have a lesson, then they can go and they can sit the test. And what they've been practicing, well then, they'll then find out if it's good enough to pass the test. And many times we assume that we all know how to praise God, that it's a natural extent, uh, extension of our lives. But the thing that I've come to understand what so limits and stilts our praise is that we don't have the vocabulary that we need when we praise God. So this is what we end up doing. We end up as a scapegoat. This is what we say. I praise you, God, for who you are. Because we don't have anything else to say. We don't have any vocabulary in order to express our praise, And yet the Bible's filled with vocabulary of those who have learned how to praise God, of phrases, of things that will capture your heart and help you to learn how to access the... Because if God inhabits the praises of His people, do you want Him to have inhabit your life? He will inhabit your life when you learn how to praise Him correctly. And as you increase your understanding of how to connect to God and praise, then all of a sudden you're never short Of a phrase as you enter his gates, thanksgiving, and enter his courts with praise. praise. So there it is, right there. There is the access. We come with thanksgiving and then we enter his courts with praise. So we've got to learn what is praise. And so I want to just park there just for a moment today. If I sat down and I said to my wife, as we were having a coffee at morning tea, honey, I praise you for who you are. I'd probably get a handbag that would come across the table, a swipe to the left and a swipe to the right. You know, it's, it's, it's meaningless to her and it's meaningless to the Lord when we don't go past that phrase, when we park at that praise, honey, I praise you for who you are this morning. Well, God wants us to know who He is And He wants us to expand our vocabulary this morning so that you understand that He's your rock. He's your shepherd. He's your fortress. He's your strong tower. He's the morning star. He's a warrior. Amen. He's a refuge. He's the refining fire. He's the living water. I could go on and on. These are all expressions of who God is. And when you begin to take those on board, it doesn't matter how bad you're feeling, you've got ammunition and you've got a tool in your tool belt where you can immediately begin to declare to the Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're my strong and mighty tower, that you're my refuge, that you're a strength to me in times of trouble, that the righteous go running into you and they are safe because we've learnt how to connect who God is is with understanding the associated meaning of what that means and begin to draw that out in our personal praise times and in our times together. You know, uh, when we approach God and uh, uh, let me me illustrate it a little bit further. Let me take it to this uh, level. I'm just getting to know all my neighbours at the moment because I've moved into a new uh, neighbourhood, and so I live down a right of way, and so I've got six neighbours, five, five neighbours, there's six of us that live in close proximity. So I'm getting to know my neighbours, and w- one of my neighbours, he's got incredible tools. Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> he's got a tool shed that's just full of these most amazing tools because he used to be a cabinet maker. And on the other side, I've got an ex-panel beater more tools, more tools. You know, where, where my tool, tools run out, which is a very, you know, minimal limitation, then, uh, then my neighbours, oh, he's got some tools and he's got some tools. And so I go to my neighbour, there's a job that needs to be done in us and I go over to him and I say, oh, can I borrow your tools? I need this, I need this wrench for this or I, I, I need to borrow your welder. Not that he'd probably lend it to me anyway, but blow something up. But now just imagine with me, If the only time I ever approach my neighbor is I'm always asking for something. And so after visiting him for the fifth time in a week to borrow a tool, it suddenly dawns on me, wow, that's not very good. The only time I ever go to see him is when I want something from him. And in the same way, friends, if the only time you ever approach God is for petition and supplication because you want something from him. We know how our neighbour would feel. In fact, he's probably going to hide when he sees you coming up the drive because he goes, oh, here's my neighbour. He just wants something from me again. You see, God wants more than just your petitions and your requests. He wants your heart. And He gets your heart when you learn how to praise Him properly, when you learn how to extend your vocabulary and give to the Lord uh, praise and give to the Lord the strength of your life. And what we tend to do when we understand that when we understand that and we start thinking, man, I'm always coming to God just asking Him for something, there's two, one or two things that we can do. We can just withdraw and stop praying as much because we think we're bothering God too much. And let me tell you, that's prevalent thinking with a lot of people. Oh, God doesn't want to hear me again. I'm just coming back to Him again, and I'm just going to ask Him, same old, same old. So we just actually stop praying or we withdraw. Or what we could do is learn how to approach Him differently And instead of asking Him for things all the time, we learn how to praise Him because we're to enter His gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and enter His courts with praise this morning. Hallelujah. You know, I've got a list of attributes of praise, 250 of them taken from the Scriptures that I go through on a regular. I can't possibly remember all of those. But you know what happens? Because they're fresh to me. When I come into the presence of God, I take three of those attributes of praise taken from the scriptures. And then I come into the presence of the Lord and I begin to proclaim and use those expressions of praise. And before long, there I am and there he is right there in the moon because he's inhabiting my praises. Amen. So if you say, God, I thank you today. I thank you that you're a faithful God. We need to use word associations If you just stop right there, say, God, you're faithful. Well, what does that mean? That means I thank you, God, that you're faithful, that you're dependable. That, Lord, I thank You today that I can rely on You. Lord, even though my life is so up and down, You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank You, Lord, that I can truly rely on You. Your promises are sure. You're not a man that You would lie, nor the Son of Man that You would repent. And all of a sudden, you got Your praise on. All of a sudden, You're beginning to declare, and God is beginning to involve Himself, and you have His presence coming around about your life because you've learnt how to praise Him properly this morning. Anyone here want to learn how to praise God properly today? Let's take an example, and we're just going to finish off with three short things this morning that praise uh, out of a segment of the Scripture that gives us an incredible insight into how praise truly works. How many of you know it's easy to praise God when everything's sweet? When there's no opposition in your life, where the money's rolling in, When you're in right relationship with every single person, nobody has any issues against you, life is sweet and it's easy to praise God. But the power of real praise is when it goes in the opposite direction, when things are difficult, where the days get darker and dimmer, and when you're not feeling any emotion whatsoever towards the Lord, but you learn how to praise Him in the midst of your troubles and in the midst of your valleys, because then what happens is that praise becomes a vehicle of faith, because as you declare, to the Lord who He is despite your circumstances, despite your opposition, despite how bad it may be for you this morning. You begin to declare the Lord despite all that stuff and declare who He is and what He's done in your life. And before you know it, that faith is causing God to respond to you because faith is like a magnet to the Lord. He's drawn to those who have faith and express that faith. To him despite their circumstances. So, Acts 16, let me read to you, verse 23. And when the people had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. Who? Paul and Silas, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Do you know what got them into the situation in the first place? A deliverance session. A woman had followed them around as they were preaching the gospel. These are the servants of the Most High God. These are the servants of the Most High God. These are the servants of the Most... Once or twice, that's cool. But on and on, like a broken record, and on and on, where Paul discerned the reason why that woman was saying that was motivated by an evil spirit, not by the Spirit of the Lord. So he turns to her and he casts out a spirit of divination. And because that woman was used by fortune tellers to bring money and to them, they got mad because they no longer had a vehicle to make money through this woman who had a spirit of divination. And so they got mad. When people lose money through their greedy processes, they get angry. And so they... They came down, they charged down, they picked Paul and Silas up, they took them off, no trial, no appearing before a judge, and they threw them unjustly into prison. They gave them a hiding first. And let me tell you, the prisons of yesteryear and the Scriptures were nothing like the prisons of today. They were often like a dungeon they were dark, they were smelly, there was no place for excrement, there was no place for waste out of the human body. They had to live inside that same place. They did that stuff as the same place that they slept, and not only that they were they were uh, they were cuffed in stocks so The only thing that they should have realised was that these guys, the most dangerous weapon that they had wasn't their arms, wasn't their legs, but it was their mouth. Because their mouth, despite the fact they were beaten, despite the fact they were sitting in darkness, despite the fact their arms and legs were in stocks, despite all of that, they still had a mouth that could praise God. And as a result of that, in the middle middle of the night at midnight, they're singing praise to the Lord. And the Bible says that the prisoners heard them. Can you imagine? imagine what they were thinking. What are these idiots doing? They've just been beaten. They've been left here bleeding. They've been left here to rot and here they are despite, I wonder what God they serve because they can still rouse up praise to Him even in the midst of their persecution and opposition. And then God invaded. You see, praise brings open the doorway to the supernatural workings of God within your life. And I can think of many situations when I got hammered by a demon and flying over the middle of Laos in 2003, and I got king hit by an evil spirit on the plane, knocked me unconscious. They had to carry me off the plane and put me into a wheelchair, and then they threw me into the back of a van. We found a place that had air conditioning. They chucked me on a bed, and it took me three days to recover from that encounter with the demonic realm. And in the middle of that, in the middle of that time, you know what? I felt, I felt, I felt this big. Here was the mighty team leader, the man of faith and prayer that had just been knocked unconscious by a demon spirit. I felt about that tall in the spirit. But you know what I did? I began to examine my life. I began to humble myself. I had no physical strength in my body so all I could do was use my mouth and I began to talk to the Lord and the Lord began to speak to me about certain areas within my life that hadn't come under His blood that were still vulnerable to demonic power that I needed to shore up in my life. So I had a time of repentance. And in the time of repentance in that small room, this is what happened. I began to grow from this big into a mighty giant of the faith. As I began to praise God in that room, all of a sudden, that demon that seemed so big, that knocked me out seems so tiny because when we praise God, we magnify him and he becomes a lot bigger than any problem or issue that you have within your life. So the first thing this morning that we need to understand is that praise elevates us into God's presence and power. They opened a channel for the Spirit of God. We sing that song, chains be broken, lives be healed. That's what happens when we approach God with our praise. And that's what happened in this place. God inhabited Paul and Silas' praise in that dreadful atmosphere that they were living in. And as they accessed the courts of the Lord through their praise, God responded. And you know, it's the same pattern that Jesus said. He said this, his promise of his presence this morning to be in our midst is where two or three are gathered together in my name. There's the key. There's the key. There I am in the midst of them. Here's the key, friends. It's got to be a gathering together in His name. What does that mean? That He's the focus of our singing. He's the focus of our service. He's the focus of our preaching. And when two or three gather with Jesus as the focus in His name, there He comes into the presence of God. And that's why we value praise so highly in this church. That's why we want to teach you how to praise God in this church, because it's going to open up new avenues of the supernatural, response of God into your life, not just here on Sunday, but absolutely every day of the week. Hallelujah. Hebrews says this, I will declare your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing praise to you. Yes, Lord. Secondly, I've only got two points. Praise is called to be a lifestyle of the believer. Friends, if praise is the only only time you enter into praise... It's when you're at church and then you leave and it's another six, seven days before you access praise again. Then today God wants to change that priority around in your life. You can praise Him every single day. You can access the courts of God every single day through the power of praise this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. It's a lifestyle. It's in the car. It's when you're cooking breakfast, it's when you're having your lunch break, it's wherever you are, you can access God through praise as you begin to magnify His name. And uh, it's the first thing that Paul and Silas did, despite their circumstances, was to offer up praise to the Lord, and God responded. And you know, if you read the life of Paul through the book of Acts, you'll find that it was one of many occasions. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by snakes. He was left for dead a number of times where literally through the beatings that he took, they actually thought he died. And the Bible says he got up the next day and he was praising God. The next day, because he learnt how to access the supernatural through living a life of praise. Praise is a lifestyle. And lastly this morning, and this is really crucial to us, is that we're called to bring a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? That means that you're not always going to feel like praising God. And when you don't feel like praising Him, that's the best time to praise Him. When you come to that stage in your life where everything seems like it's ganging up against you, that's the time you need to find some space in your calendar between you and the Lord. And begin to praise Him despite your circumstances. I remember the first time I ever did this. The Lord sent me down country to go and share the gospel with my family. And I went back down. And, uh, and I'd been sharing the gospel with my dad and with his partner. And, uh, and, and I, all I got from her was a really, really negative re- response. A reaction from her when I started talking about Jesus Christ. And so I thought, wow, I've got some real opposition. Things got really hard. I didn't have any other Christian friends around me. I was isolated out on the farm. And here I was. God sent me on an assignment. And then one day I was, I was working in the workshop and I put something in the vice. And as I put something in the vice, the Holy Spirit said to me, you're discouraged, aren't you, James? I said, yeah, I am, Lord. As I heard the still, small voice of God. And he said, rise up and praise me now. And I immediately, with my limited understanding, began to praise God in that workshop And as I lifted up the name of Jesus, I want to tell you something. God visited me. I had an encounter with God right there and then where out of my discouragement, out of the difficulties that I was facing with my own family, not being bothered to hear about the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit visited me. And I knew when he visited me, if he's going to visit me like that, he can visit my father and he can visit my stepmother. And do you know what happened six months later? Both of them came to Christ sovereignly and supernaturally. And when my dad passed, from this world. He passed knowing Jesus, and he passed walking into his eternal security because we, didn't, we don't give up. When it gets tough, you don't give up. You keep praising. You keep lifting up the name of Jesus and watch God visit your situation. And so Hebrews thirteen fifteen says this, Therefore, by him, let us continually... Let's say that together. Continually. One more time. Continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. That means you've got to get it out. But i just like to praise God in my heart, Pastor. Let it go from your heart through your lips and out into the heavens. Let us continually... Offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. When you least feel like praising God, that's the time that God wants you to access praise this morning. It's interesting, the tribe of Judah, anyone know what Judah means? Praise. Judah literally means praise. And this is what the prophet Hosea prophetically declared over Judah. And in Hosea 10, 11, he says this, Judah shall plow. Speaking about breaking up the soil in order to plant the seed. And this is what praise does to the believer. When you praise God, even in the toughness of a land that seems like it's lying fellow. there's nothing growing in it, there's barrenness, there's no fruitfulness, that's the time you start ploughing. That's the time you get your praise plough out. Judah means praise, where you begin to plough up the hard ground and you begin to declare to the Lord and thank Him for who He is and for what He's done into your life up until this point. And you watch what begins to happen as the soil turns over and it gets ready for new seed to be sowed into your circumstances ready to grow a new harvest in our lives today. As I finished this morning, Psalm 103 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless His holy name. There's no half-hearted praise right there, friends. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. When we're living in the world, when we're surrounded by difficult people, when we're surrounded by hardship, when we're surrounded by the times where it seems like we've got no money, where things are tough and things are tight, in the middle of that or all that stuff, you can so easily forget all of God's benefits. And instead of praising Him, you're moaning. And your moaning turns into murmuring and you start complaining. How many of us know what happened to the children of Israel in the desert when they started complaining and murmuring? You know, they said, we've got nothing to eat. So God sends them quail every single day. He sends them quail. He gives them manna in the middle of the desert. We've got no water. Moses hits the rock. Water comes out. They get everything supplied to them and yet they're still moaning. They've still got their whinge on. And it's time to get our whinge off. And it's time to get our whinge off. How do you do that? Because you don't forget all of God's benefits. You remind yourself that He forgives me of all my iniquities and He heals me of all my diseases. And you start to get your praise on. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, not just part of it, be a fully engaged worshipper and praiser of the living God. I love this last verse that I want to share with you this morning. Psalm 116, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? There's a good question. He's done so much for me. He's given me so much. What shall I render back to him? Here's the answer. I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Friends, when things get really tough in your life, There's one thing that it all boils down to is that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I can see. And you see, God has given you a cup of salvation. He has saved you. Your eternal destination has been secured by Christ's blood. When your body gives up on you and when you pass from this life, you're passing into an eternity that's filled with angelic hosts, that's filled with praising people. I say to people, if you don't enjoy praise now, then you're sunk because for the rest of eternity, the angels, the cherubim, the seraphim are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We need to learn how to do it good down here so that we just slide into it up there in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Could I have the worship team come as we finish our time together this morning? We invite you to stay behind for a cup of tea, coffee. But we always like to finish our service with an opportunity. And I like to stand up here on the steps this morning as I finish the service. Because God has sent you to this church this morning. And every person God sends to this church, I take really seriously. You know what I take seriously is this. this. Only He knows the true condition of every person's heart in this building today. Sometimes we come to church because we're pushed to come. Our parents make us come. Sometimes we come to church because of our pride. We don't want people to see us missing. We come to church for all different reasons. But the one reason that we need to come to church above everything else is that Jesus has got a cup of salvation for you waiting for you here today. And the Bible says all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this morning, God wants to secure your eternal destiny in this place. And you can do that simply by asking Jesus Christ to become part of your everyday getting up, going to work, paying the bills life and turn that life into an extraordinary life because you can be joined with Jesus today by an invitation that you give to Him to come into your life. So if we could bow our heads, please, just in a moment of prayer. Maybe you've been thinking about this step for a while and you realize that today is the day that God wants you to respond to him. He issues you an invitation today. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give rest for your souls. He wants you to invite Jesus Christ to become part of your life today. That's the first step of the gospel He wants Jesus to no longer be a swear word or a cursing word, but He wants that name to be the name that you prize so so much in your life. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, I need to take that step, Pastor James, I'd like to pray with you today. So if there's anyone in this place today that really you're assessing your life right now and you're saying, Man, I need to get the One who made me to put me back on track again. I need to put them back into my life. Or maybe you've never done it for the first time. Mm-hmm. If that's you, I'd like you to follow me in a prayer. Maybe we can all pray that prayer this morning and join with you today if you could follow me in prayer. Dear Jesus, Jesus. I, come to you today I come to you today and acknowledge that I need you. I I've, fallen I've fallen short of the mark you set for me. For set for me. I need your forgiveness cleanse me now, Lord. Wash me of my sin. I want to invite you to come into my life. I receive you now, Jesus, into my heart. And I thank you for responding to my prayer this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you could just